So, you haven't uh, done you haven't done a watch through of DS9, Tony. Uh, <laughs> can we officially start the show now? Since we're already just going straight we're in. in. <laughs> uh, well, it is. Hi, Todd. Hi, Meg. Hello, Meg. Hey, Byron. Well, how's everybody doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the big. Star Trek special. Yes, it is Sunday night. This is getting off topic. Trekking off topic. This is tre- Yeah, this is all <laughs> Trek. All Trek topic. All tre- this is all Trek radio. All Trek all the time. Trekking, trekking off the trail. Yes, yeah. sure. <clears throat> I am bearded up. I am clocked out of work. Uh, and uh, and this is actually my Friday because I have Mondays off. So yeah. Yay. And we are finally to it. I finally finished all of New Trek, N-U, Trek. Um, And uh, yeah, so we knew we had to dedicate a full episode to all things Trek. Thou shalt not speak of any other geek news or anything else beyond (laughs) the Trek. What? No, I don't care. (laughs) Yes, WandaVision was awesome. We'll get to it next week. (laughs) But before we hit hit record, yes, uh, Byron started talking to me, and then Todd, you just joined in. You already hit record, though. Well, yeah. Can you? I was on a roll, and you're interrupting me already. (laughs) Get out of here. Shut up, Meg. Uh, oh, hey, fuck you. <laughs> a call back uh, to the old podcast. Yeah. So uh Byron was just his eyeball his eyeball popped out of his head and he <laughs> had to put them back in when he when I revealed that no, I have not done the full rewatch of so okay, so to recap, a few years ago, um God, it was probably five, six years ago now, not longer. Okay, I so Net- I went on Netflix. We should, was- we should just this should be how we start the podcast is just very quickly talk about our trek relationship okay because <laughs> i think that's important when people talk about trek because it very much contextualizes their our trek backgrounds <laughs> yeah because i mean there are people who like grew up with the original series and only like the original series there are people who were like in their 40s when next gen came out and then there are people who like weren't even born when ds9 was on the air so like you know, that's uh, that's kind of what I was getting to, and then you ripped the talking stick away from me. <laughs> Sorry, what, what, but, but that's what I mean. That's what, like, so this is we should Tony. intro go, Tony. Okay. Please continue with your Trek history, okay? Okay, okay. So, oh, I mean, growing up, I, I was obviously aware of it <laughs> tangentially, but I didn't really have any means to see the original series until one day one magical day a thing called netflix arrived um and uh i mean 
I mostly remember like uh, through childhood while well, I was telling Byron, uh, I actually had the first time I ever had a workout routine was in my like junior or senior high school, like, or I think it was the summer in between junior and senior year because I had nothing to do. I was sitting at home at my dad's house. And for some reason, I decided I'm going to start doing some push-ups. <laughs> like, I want to get a little muscle. And I, <laughs> the only reason that I stuck to the routine is for some reason I was flipping channels one night and uh, I think it was UPN had reruns of Next Gen. And for some reason, I just, uh, you know, I was sitting there on the couch watching it one night and I decided, well, I'm going to like do a little, so I could just, instead of just sitting here on the couch, I could like watch next gen and do some little crunches, do some pushups, whatever. And that's the only reason I developed a workout routine is because I'd sit there and watch like, I think it was like two episodes of next gen back to back. I don't remember if it was UPN or maybe another channel, they would have some Voyager. So I got a bit familiar with Voyager. I didn't see it all from start to finish, but mostly mostly next gen second tier is voyager and ds9 i saw a tiny bit but not as much though through you know throughout the years i have a tangential you know awareness of like so i think i think what you're remembering is it was on spike spike they did they did two episodes of next gen and two episodes of ds9 god remember spike tv (laughs) yeah it was on spike on monday nights (laughs) okay yeah and since then like a few years back like i was saying i got netflix I went through all of the original series, all of TOS for the first time. That was great. Um, and uh, and all of Next Gen. And for some reason after that, we just got busy with watching other movies, shows. I never went back and finished my whole Star Trek universe watch. I never never did a full Voyager rewatch. And I never did a DS9 one. Um, I've never even touched Enterprise at all. Um, and uh, the, although I am kidding of Voyager education, because I've been for the last several years, I've been I've been listening to religiously my buddy Derek's podcast, which I think I've told you both about before. Um, the People versus Star Trek Voyager. There, so. That's the reason why. <laughs> that's the reason why I did my full Voyager rewatches because I was listening to that at the time. Yeah. So my buddy the Derek People versus Star Trek Voyager. It's yeah, you should check it out. Okay. They they got kind of a following. They got a Patreon. They they did went to Dragon Con and had a panel a couple years back. Wow. I think you'd um, actually like it, Byron. I think you hmm, would. I'll check it out. But, yeah. Yeah. So my buddy Derek, he uh he kind of like me. He's only he's only watched a handful. He's not he's never done a full series viewing. Uh, and he has another buddy who is a diehard lover of Voyager and another one who is like much of the fan base thinks that it was one of the like the weakest out of the uh, the Braga era. So uh, throwaway track. So Derek is a neutral party. Yeah. So it's the three of them. And uh, because he loves doing like meta shit, they start every episode where in character where it's like a space court and he's this like old timey he's from georgia so he's got the huge southern draw i'm and just an like, old timey space lawyer exactly yeah he's, <laughs> he's the judge presiding over the proceedings and his two buddies are defend or the you know the uh prosecution and the the defendant a brilliant idea yeah i fucking love he's so like stupidly creative he makes me sick i i'm jealous <laughs> what an uh, asshole and so every, every, it is yes, a very well produced good. it's very well produced yeah they're good anyway um so welcome back to our <laughs> podcast guys <laughs> uh todd go what is your full relationship with trek uh, oh man uh so most of it comes from my brother my brother is a gigantic nerd tony and meg i think you've met him a couple of times my brother yeah i think Terry. he went to the bowling alley with us in the early days 
Yeah, I think he might have actually been on the first podcast. Yeah. Um, oh, he, oh, that's right. Yeah, although he was just kind of quietly sitting to the side. Yeah, <laughs> he never even said anything. Didn't really talk. But uh, yeah, so he is the giant Star Trek, Star Wars, everything nerd dumb. Like he watches literally everything nerd dumb. Farscape. Farscape. Uh, yeah, he loved that show. Stargate. Uh, Babylon 5, all of them that are very nerdy sci-fi type shows. Mm. Well, he his biggest fandom is, of course, Star Trek. So he's the one that got me into it. Uh, I started with Star Trek ne- uh, Next Gen when it was on, uh, DS9 when it was on, uh, Voyager when it premiered. I think I was too young to really recognize Next Gen and, and uh, DS9. But uh, Voyager was probably right when I was like 10, 11 or so. Mm. I think that was uh, the age when that premiered. And the first few episodes, I actually had to watch on a tiny five-inch black and white TV. (laughs) (laughs) We had two TVs in the house, and one was in my parents' bedroom, and one was in the living room. My dad was always in the living room, (laughs) and my mom was always in the bedroom. So they had those TVs, but we also had one of those little camp camp TVs that you'd take on like camping trips or whatever that had the antenna and the, mm-hmm. the battery, the, the like 12 D cell batteries you had to put in it. So I think I watched Voyager on that with the little antenna black and white, the first few episodes. Um, but I, I started with next gen and DS nine basically. Yeah. Cool. Do, I get and it, do you want it? Yeah. Yeah. I can. Meg, go for it. I am somewhat familiar with the Star Trek verse, thank you. <laughs> um, my mom was a huge nerd too, just like your brother Todd. And I, from a very early age, got involved in the original series and the next gen and Voyager. Although my memory is best with next gen and Voyager. Yeah. Um, and of course, all of the current movies and stuff like that. I mean, I don't remember specific episodes. I don't remember certain storylines or what happened in each thing. Cause I, I was, you know, like eight to 13 years old when I was watching mm-hmm. them. Um, oh yeah. We didn't even mention the movies our relationship with the movies. <laughs> yeah. But, so, I mean, yeah. like, I don't remember specific things, but I do have a working knowledge, like a very base knowledge of those shows. I think I actually, as an adult, remember more from the original series just because I've seen that more in my later life versus... It's also so iconic, so... Yeah, Yeah. so I've got more specific knowledge with the original series, but I do remember watching at least those three um, with my mom when I was was really, really young. But, I mean, she got me into, like, Star Wars and... Far or we watched Farscape. We watched together. Far, yeah. That was kind of Farscape. like our show when we first started dating. Yeah. Um, Farscape forever. Yeah, but yeah. she got me into Stargate. I remember my parents before my dad died would do Stargate parties because <laughs> we were the only house on the block that had HBO or Showtime. I forget which one it was on. Stargate, HBO. I think, didn't it first start Showtime. on HBO and then it went to Sci-Fi Channel? Yeah. Uh, yes. The Sorry, first, was it was it the first HBO or was it Showtime? Uh, I think it was Showtime. I think it was Showtime. Yeah, but it and was. So, it, but Tony is also right. It was the first two or three seasons was on 
the yeah, because they network. paid for, they paid for like four seasons up front or some yeah. crazy yeah. thing like that, and it ended up being like not very successful at all for them. <laughs> no, yeah. not on the premium channel. When it went to sci-fi, it kind of blew up. Yeah, but... I, I I think that's just an interesting story. Is that uh, <clears throat> yeah, they paid for four seasons, and it ended up being like a ratings disaster. Yeah, yeah, but I remember my parents would invite our their best friend neighbors over every Friday or Saturday night, and they would. Eat dinner, play Pinochle, and watch Stargate or Star uh, Stargate. Yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes my friend would stay the night and whatever. We'd have parties, but as I got older and kind of understood the show more, then I got involved in the show. Mm-hmm. But when it first started, I was too young to really understand it. Yeah. But anywho, that's my nerd knowledge. Yeah, really quick to add on to what Meg was saying because I just realized she was talking about the movies. We didn't even mention our relationship with the movies. I, uh, even though it wasn't until, you know, in the last 10 years that, you know, with Netflix, I was able to see uh, uh, the original series, um, the uh, original crew movies, all, you know, one Star Trek one through six, uh, I actually bought the entire collector's edition DVD set back when I, in 03 three-ish when right when i was graduating high i school. remember and, that actually yeah we because, talked about that at one point yes because in 03 when i was getting that sweet vons money and That's i was right. still living <laughs> still living at my dad's house like a bum uh i would take my paycheck and immediately go to Best Buy. And that's when I started amassing the beginnings of my DVD collection. collection. Yeah. And I bought the entire Farscape run, like right as it was the show was ending. And I think I may have even I, borrowed one of those Star Trek DVDs from you temporarily. Maybe, yeah. Uh, so I watched the whole original crew movies. Like I've I had this vague notion of, I mean, I grew up watching Next Gen and stuff. And I was had this vague notion of like, oh yeah, the original series, Kirk and Spock and all that. But I never really watched it. And but I did fall in love with those, you know, the original crew movies. Yeah, I watched the movies before I watched even the original series. Yeah. So I, I knew TOS original as the movies before I knew the show. Yeah. So, Byron, we left you last because we know you're the least familiar in Star Trek. So, uh... <laughs> so OK, uh, I'll be quick about it, because if I don't. Um, so I'm just a huge Trekkie. Um, I started watching it in like 1989 with my dad or 1990 with my dad. He would like put it on to like calm me when I was like a toddler. Um, and then apparently I was obsessed with it as a toddler. And then, um, so he would just put it on in the background whenever I was like being an asshole. Um, and so, uh, it was just always on in the background. Plus it was, you know, it was on at the time next gen was airing um and there are just like little glimpses of my memory i always just remember being fascinated with the iconography and the colors and the the you know the butt-faced aliens uh, <laughs> and um in 1993 i actually watched the deep space nine pilot uh premiere with my dad um the day it aired um and i remember that memory it is, I don't have a good memory of my childhood, uh, but that memory is burned into my brain forever. Um, and so over time, I just became mildly obsessed with Star Trek. Uh, I started watching the movies on VHS, or I actually watched the beta versions at a library. It's, it's a whole thing. Um, so 
uh, I'm huge. I was a huge next gen fan, ended up becoming a much bigger DS nine fan. Um, I watched enterprise as it aired live also Voyager, but le- to a lesser extent, um, I'm just a generally huge Star Trek fan. I've played almost every single Star Trek video game. Um, I used to collect the collectible cards back in the day. Which, which was your favorite video game? Uh, Bridge Commander was, oh, was yes. the shit. I modded Bridge the hell out of the game. Bridge Commander is amazing. It's like, it's a lost, I mean, it's incredible. It's like yeah. truly a, a once that, in a lifetime game. That um, one needs a remake because that was I mean, probably... Bridge Crew is effectively that. Um, eh. It's not, uh, Bridge Crew isn't as good, but it, it's still pretty impressive. And once you've played it in VR, I mean, it's, it's a whole different experience. Um, so I haven't played, sorry, not to derail you no, go ahead. yeah I, I haven't played any of the star trek games what are they typically what's the genres they rts's or oh all it's over so the weird they're all over the place they're mainly all over there's a lot of strategy games um and i think star yeah. trek works really well in strategy just because of the 4x element um mm-hmm. there's a fantastic mod for stellaris uh called star trek new horizons i believe and it's pretty much the best star trek game that's available right now other than star trek online um, and it's really the only one that I'd recommend, uh, mainly just because uh, well, Star Trek has not been very well served by video games in the last 10 the years. Star Trek Fleet Command game that they did like 15 years ago is on GOG, and that's actually a really good game. Hmm. Uh, yeah, like the, the old Interplay games are all mostly good. Uh, and the, did you play the SNES game? The Which one? There was a couple. There was a couple, you're right. Um it, it was just story, basically. You're, you were on the, the bridge. I played all of them. I, like I said, I played almost literally every single... In fact, yeah. about... I used to I used to have a Star Trek blog uh, way back in the day. Trek um, is not called, a dirty word. Trek is not a dirty word. Yep. Um, and this was during a period of, of my life when I was... I, I have always been sort of the person saying that Star Trek is cool, despite a lot of attempts to <laughs> pretend like it's not um and so in the early 2000s during the dark era of star trek uh, i was trying to reclaim it as like as something that you like you could wear like you could you could be a cool person in like star trek because there are a lot of really amazing themes in star trek that like the whole 60s like uh like retro um futurism and like uh mid-century modern like they had mod like architecture and styles and hair and ugh, anyways so there's just a lot of amazing stuff to be said about star trek and um i've always been a proponent of star trek in terms of don't shy away from it and i always knew that it would come back uh but there were a couple of years there when it was you know i also i like everything uh the new movies the old movies um the new shows uh i i have issues with every iteration but i think for the most part star trek is probably the most important um fictional franchise of the 20th 20th and now 21st century in terms of its importance to our society can i ask you something really quick what was your because i remember even i like wasn't a huge like massive trek fan but man the like the tingles i got on my spine the oh the giddiness i felt when i was in the theater and i don't remember what movie i was watching but that first mysterious trailer 
for for 09 for 09 track oh, came man, I yeah that too. yeah I all, yeah the over. you know the the sound bites and everything uh, the best that was honestly that was a really that was a really slick trailer and yeah uh, slow reveal of the enterprise under construction and that's yeah, under construction it, it really it's brought ones i've ever seen yeah. yeah it really brought back the 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 hope and the optimism in terms of uh there's a lot of there's a lot of everybody in America has some secret history with Star Trek, whether they realize it or not, or whether they're interested in it or not. Like th their science teacher was like a huge Star Trek fan or like their aunt is a huge Star Trek fan or their parents are huge Star Trek fans or they themselves may be a closet Star Trek fan. Um, I mean, everybody our age grew up with like next gen on virtually every other syndicated oh, absolutely. channel. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and not just on television, but in in the theaters too. I mean, there were four four Star Trek Next Generation movies in the 1990s. Uh well, I guess 3 plus 1 in 2003. Yeah. But my, my uncle um, took me to see Insurrection one day. Like I called out uh or I say still in high school? Wait. Yeah, uh well, 97, so uh 97. You'd have been in no, junior you high. Have, yeah, you would have been junior high. Theater. Junior high or junior even high. elementary. Yeah. It, Maybe it was Nemesis. That was 2003. I feel like I skipped school one day. No, because it, it was Insurrection. We went and saw it together in the middle of the day, like on a weekday. Or 98, not 97. Okay. Anyway. Because that first weird, contact was weird Baku six. face would have traumatized you as a child. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just um, Star Trek is is one of those things where it's so important culturally, it, not just in terms of um, it, it's in terms of storytelling. It really has changed. It changed the 20th century. Uh, the, 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 the first space shuttle was literally named enterprise. Um, uh, like it, it was really important culturally because of the, the risks that desolate, the desolate, um, company was willing to take on the fledging science fiction company. Um, and the fact that science fiction really didn't exist in a serious uh, and not for children way uh, prior to 1966. Mm -hmm. So it kind of solidified sci-fi as more of like a realistic thing that could happen in real life. Yeah, like, absolutely. And a lot because... of our technology is actually based off of what was shown or seen as a possibility. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the communi the communicators, like everybody has effectively a communicator in their pocket now. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And and tablet computers, like I, I mean, the the list of things that Star Trek influenced. Yeah. I, I mean, you, it, it's a it's a couple page long Wikipedia entry. So well, it is hysterical to go back and watch Next Gen or anything like you know '90s era Trek and how they have individual tablets for all their reports. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the pads. Like, the pads. Uh, let me fan out my fan out my reading collection for you on these tabs, and it's yeah. like, oh, it's cute, but I mean, they were they got it right but not really yeah but I, like, I mean i feel like a lot of sci-fi back in the day like pre-star trek era was more of like the horror genre type of sci-fi you know like oh monsters have come yeah, a thing from another world them. yeah yeah, yeah it but, was very pulpy 
like, yeah, it. Pulpy. yeah but then star trek made it more like no this shit could really happen and it's mostly mm. science-based yeah and star trek still uh you know teeters on that like it still it still incorporates a lot of pulp you know it's like in, oh absolutely yeah, every episode a... kurt's got to rip his shirt open he's fighting the gorn and whatever and the, th- and the funny thing is and i was thinking about this earlier i don't even think that star trek is because for a long time people would have called it hard sci-fi in the 60s it's not anything compared to hard sci-fi now um but i would actually argue that uh, star trek is is least successful when it's trying to be science fiction and it's most successful when it's trying to be uh, socio-political allegory yes mm-hmm. um jumping to um i mean that's that, that same spirit jumping to my recent catch-up of all of discovery i'm i find myself floored how much they're capturing that same essence of the original series where they're going like sometimes Uh, they're they're going like very intense like science and very serious and then they just decide to have fun and just like you know just go wacky with it and And even really absolutely and and discovery does and pulp discovery absolutely does that and even the darkest show deep space nine did the same thing you know so uh and the funny that's funny that you mentioned that because there are a lot of fans who would howl at you in disagreement for what you just said. And I think it's absurd. I think what you said is absolutely a hundred percent correct. I mean, the second Um, season two, the second Pike walk walks on the bridge. Oh my God. Pike. Oh, like he mm. just brings the sixties swagger with him. And it's not like, it's not (laughs) over the top, but it's just there like a fine layer over. It's a fun. It's a, Instagram oh, no. filter over everything and you're going like, oh man, everything just feels a little groovy. Now. Anson Mount's casting was just absolutely like he was perfect. perfect. What else Spot has he been on, in? Right. I don't know him from anything else. Has he been um in- he was in a little show called Inhumans playing Black <laughs> Bolt himself. Oh, wait, are you talking <laughs> yeah, about that's why thing? nobody has ever watched it? <laughs> oh, the show that lasted two minutes. He was also yeah. on Helen, uh, Hell on Wheels um, with uh, Mr. O'Brien himself. I was always curious um, about that one. I think we watched like the first episode. And he's then... been in. St- he's been in a bunch of stuff. It's just one of those things where uh, he 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 was just a little too good looking, if you know what I mean. He was a little too pretty, so nobody <laughs> took him seriously. <laughs> yeah, I know. I Fun think, fact, uh, he was in the Britney Spears movie, Crossroads. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's his first credit oh, on man. the known Wait, was he in the IMDb. sisterhood of the traveling pants, too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah, think, man. Uh, hell on... Oh, he was probably Brink, if I'm not mistaken. On Brink? <laughs> he's, been, he's been in and out of, like, uh, Vancouver ba- or Canadian-based television for a good 15, 20 years. Yeah, he's got a bunch of like random TV credits. Like he's in an episode of Smallville, CSI Miami, Lost. Smallville is Vancouver. Yep. Law and Order. Yeah. Bunch of bunch of random stuff, but yeah, the thing that you would know him from if you watched it would be Hell on Wheels. That is a really good show. I reckon rec- recommend anybody watch that. I reckon. I think I that reckon. was around roughly around the same time in the early days of The Walking Dead. And yes. AMC started to take off with a few very dramatic series. Hell on Wheels, that, uh, that really, Martin, really the martial arts hard, one that you love. Enter the Badlands. 
into the Badlands. Yeah. Oh, they that, that is part so right good. into genre storytelling. Yeah, there was a couple of those, like Hell on Wheels, Enter the Badlands. I always heard great stuff about Which it. Doesn't but, really like, seem to have worked out for other shows other than The Walking Dead for them. Yeah. Uh, in right. terms of uh, longevity. Yeah, I think Hell on Wheels is their longest show other than Walking yeah. Dead. Everything else lasts like two to three I need three to watch seasons. it. I haven't seen it. I've heard fantastic things about it, though. Definitely a good show. Okay. I'll watch it just because O'Brien's in it. All right. So have have you seen the the comic? Uh, what the fuck is it called? Uh, O'Brien at work. Yes. Yeah. Oh god, that is so brilliant. It's great. It's it's it sucks because um the, he printed a he printed a full color book a couple like last year and I missed out on it and he's never doing another another run. Oh. I was really disappointed. Okay. So we've got. I mean, it'd probably take a while to go through, although Byron, I'm sure you probably could lay it out for us, the uh, um, rankings of all of the shows and whatnot. But if we could do it at least from the, do you have an idea in your mind where you rank the different eras of Trek um, from the original series? uh, Uh, I mean, you know, I think it's really... It's really not fair to the younger fan base to re- to get into this. In, ter- in terms of my own opinion, yeah, there's plenty of people who could do that. I'm really not interested in that just because Star Trek as a franchise, um, it-, it goes through this rebirth now every like 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. And what is going to resonate with the newer generation is not going to resonate with the previous one. I mean, I look at... Look at when Deep Space Nine and Next Gen premiered in the late 80s. I mean, given given the contextual element of time, in 1987, when Star Trek Next Generation first premiered in syndication, um, original series fans fucking hated it. Oh, yeah. Hated it. All they wanted was... For Gene Roddenberry to kill off the entire cast and bring back Kirk and Spock. That's all they wanted. They didn't want anything else. And they they swamped the fanzines and the conventions. And they told everyone they could in, that would listen about how much they hated Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, the, I was the, at the 90s. Oh, I'm going to scream so and then, hard about this. Within the first year, within the first year, Star Trek The Next Generation became the most successful syndicated television show of all time and would remain so for the next decade. I was at one of the early celebrations in Glendale or Pasadena at the time. Uh, in I think 92 or 93 when the Trekker film was actually the uh, documentary was filmed That's it was uh, 92 or 93 <laughs> and uh, I fun fact you can actually see my brother in one of the crowd shots <laughs> oh, and yeah. you can see the top of my head next to him <laughs> uh, but yeah you were right like I, I would say this was like probably season two or season three of Next Gen when this was filmed and people well, it would have been later than that no it was it was uh it was the, like show, ne- the show ended in 94 next gen yep because it premiered in 1980, 1987 80, 87 yeah okay yeah you're right so it was it, it had to have been like 91 or 92 um and and I would say a good half of that that crowd was still 
TOS purists. Well, because you have to remember, like, the last TOS movie, uh, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, came out in 1991. Yeah. So, like, there was still Kirk and Spock hanging around, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the... Mind you, they were uh, all in wheelchair wheelchairs by then, but... <laughs> uh, anyways, um, mind you, Star Trek VI is the best Star Trek movie, though, so they were doing something right. Um Anyways, yeah. Anyway, so that that discussion is just, I think it's. Um, I, I prefer DS Nine. Deep Space Nine is, I think, the best show in terms of uh, overall and looking back. But Next Gen is incredible. I mean, Next Gen is amazing. It it changed the way that science fiction. It revamped television for science fiction. I mean, we wouldn't have Stargate. We wouldn't have Sequest DSV. <laughs> Oh God! We wouldn't have uh, Earth Two. We wouldn't have all these failed start, uh, science fiction shows. Uh, Andromeda. <laughs> Andromeda. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was Gene Roddenberry, and it was actually uh, it, Robert Hewitt Wolf took over, um, created Andromeda. Yeah. Anyways, it's a whole thing. Isn't it interesting the um, all the little behind the scenes stories, all the little details that me think, like, wow, just. A smidge in this direction, things might have been uh, like weirdly different. Like it, it's something as simple as like Patrick Stewart recalling, like, oh, originally Roddenberry didn't want a bald man piloting the uh, the Enterprise. Like, no, you can't have that. And they tried to put a hairpiece on him. I think they, I think he <laughs> said they actually filmed some scenes like test run with a goofy little hairpiece on him, and then he was able to convince them, like, no, this is stupid. And uh, yeah, I mean, weird. what if Yafet Koto had originally been uh, Picard instead of you know like a black man a, a black man before DS9 had been Picard yeah yeah and uh, what you were going back to what you were saying how like the uh, original series purists freaking the hell out at next gen you get that every generation because pretty much as soon as uh, JJ's 09 track released well and even theater. within the first generation the the TOS and TNG fans all united in in hatred of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Boldly going nowhere is, was the thing that they used to <laughs> say about DS Nine. I remember that phrase. You'd see that all the all the and, all, and, and all the it's time. just it's just totally unfair to the. I mean, because and this is well well known in Star Trek fandom that uh, the the shows due time to get good. Yeah, but that that phrase that phrase is the entire reason they introduced the Defiant into DS Nine. Absolutely, (laughs) and it's not to say that there aren't there aren't like criticisms towards all the shows, but like, have you ever watched the first season of Next Gen? That shit sucks. Oh God, yeah, it's not good. Oh my God, Uh, season two is almost. Yeah, the Ferengis in season one. Oh God. They had like they were like they had like the battle. They had like pool electro whips. Oh, they had yeah. electro whips. Is yeah, what they, were, they were called. They were basically like pool noodles that shot bad CG electricity. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> they were like hopping around like monkeys. They were hopping around like chimps. That was uh, oh, that was not. I good. mean, there's there's so many stories about. Uh, there was actually a movie that came out a couple years ago. It was called. Um, trouble on the bridge or something like that and it's about the production uh snafus during the first three seasons of next gen mainly the first two 
But I mean, Roddenberry was about to die. His his lawyer was pretty much handling all of his um, interactions with the writing staff. Uh, It's a whole messed up thing. But like, it's the perfect example of people having a lot of rose colored vision for for eras of media that they may be misremembering. I mean, you have to also remember that a lot of a lot of what people remember and this happens in star wars fandom too uh a lot of what people remember from the shows maybe didn't happen exactly the way they remember and it may not have happened in the place that they remember like the star trek novels especially at that time trade paperbacks mass market paperbacks were huge in a way that they really had never been in the 1990s mass production of paperbacks and star trek really especially next gen really 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 um pivoted into that and so like uh that's what that's that's actually what started the uh star wars expanded universe was the success lucas arts seeing the success of the star trek absolutely they were making so much money off the off the the del rey paperbacks Mm -hmm. um and uh like for example imzadi one of the most like what people remember about the relationship between um troy and Riker and later uh, a certain Klingon um, uh, didn't even happen in next gen. It was in the books, the, the book by Peter David. Um, it was called Imzadi and Imzadi two later, but that, I mean, it was all based off of one word that she said in a season one episode. Hmm. So like fans, they get all in a tizzy about their favorite era of Trek, but there's another thing is that like, the Berman and Braga era of Trek, specifically Berman, was homophobic as fuck. Like, Berman literally had a, a rule, no gay stories, period. Wow. Would not let them happen. And so, yeah, like, y- you may have lots of really nice, warm feelings about a certain era of media, but, like, it doesn't mean that we can't tell stories in that place and give... An, an, another generation their chance because star trek discovery yeah it may not have the type the tight plotting and um the robust character work that next gen and specifically ds9 had but those shows at times didn't either so yeah yeah every era every show is going to have its ups and downs and like you said you know some things even as uh you know with rose-colored glasses, we think like, oh yeah, Trek, it's always been very progressive and whatnot. And in some ways it has, of course. And it has for the most part yeah. in other ways. Yeah. And then there's always going to be those certain for LGBTQ that, stuff. Yeah, there's always going to be things that stick out. Like, I mean, uh, um, there's, um, you know, like, I, I mean, uh, me and Meg for a while, when we're flipping channels at night and like border shit, we were just, if we had nothing else to watch or we didn't feel like starting a new show to binge watch, we would uh, just flip over to one of several channels that always has friends reruns. You know, I grew up watching friends. I love friends and like the cast, the chemistry, like still works at the same time. I can sit here and put my woke glasses on uh, in 2021 and realize like, yeah, okay. That was still the nineties. There were no real, like, you know, LGBT there are no black characters and friends first black off <laughs> yeah uh there's no except uh, and, ross ross eventually and did, you know there's no uh, black people that live in in brooklyn yeah, there's no and there's no hispanic people either uh, in, in <laughs> the like 
one. No Puerto Ricans. Yeah, no Puerto yeah. Ricans, no Cubans. Uh, Come in on. The, in one of the last seasons, uh, Aisha Tyler has a run dating Ross. Uh, she's another scientist run. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that was that era of television. And it's not just friends. Like pick anything from you know the, the, the broad range of the 90s. And if there was any sort of gay story, it was one special episode where maybe a new neighbor moves in and oh it's a thing that we have to make a big deal about and know? it's always well, a hot woman it's never a dude remember that well it, it it is to say that like that next gen and ds9 and voyager and to an extent i guess a little bit enterprise the writers they they didn't want that to be the case the the writers of star trek are always almost entirely of incredibly progressive people not enterprise um but and so the writers definitely wanted to tell these stories but they weren't allowed to so occasionally they did they just snuck it past berman through other means by making you know the trans person an alien or uh like an alien with spots mind you maybe you know uh or they made the gay person um asexual instead of you know bisexual. yeah that happened a number of times there was like asexual robots and pan pansexual a couple of pansexuals i mean the unfortunate thing is you can really count that era's uh lgbtq stories on one hand literally one hand yeah <laughs> um except it, it dax it's a little bit uh more complicated uh but well trills uh, in general yeah, it wasn't and, just and, and honestly, it, it really is. Looking back, it is absolutely a trans narrative, whether or not they were really leaning into that at the time or not. Uh, it absolutely uh, is. Jadzia, Dax? Jadzia, yeah. yeah. And Jadzia is a fantastic character, and um, she she had the first woman-on-woman uh, uh, -woman kiss, which is uh, itself portrayed in a... Um, using uh, a lot of window dressing to hide that it's about gay people when it's you know it's it's pretty clear that it's about gay people but it's about uh trill customs so that they're not supposed to reassociate because yeah. the they're you know former etc but anyways when you watch it now it's still really good and it works really well um but if it had been literally about the thing it would have been that much better especially in the 1990s yeah. which is why discovery now is so important because yeah. discovery now has really whole hog been like we're gonna make up for the 50 years where star trek pretended like gay people didn't exist and that the uh, is that the uh, phrase you want to go with whole hog on that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just uh mentioning to meg um maybe a week ago when i finally finished um when i caught up completely and finished season three of discovery I was telling her like, yeah, this is like, I, I this is a great show, um, and I'm loving it. And oh yeah, but, like I, I don't remember how it came up in conversation, but it was just like, oh yeah, there's like they've got, there's um, you know, two of the main characters. They've had a gay couple through the entire thing. Really? They, they've had, um, and now in this latest uh, uh, season, they've uh, introduced a new couple that is, you know, one is uh, non-binary, the other is uh, trans. And uh, actually, yeah, like, that makes four or five uh, characters now. Yeah. So, and uh, the 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 showrunner now um, is a queer black woman. So, like, and some of the writing staff, and that's interesting also because Brian Fuller, who created Star Trek Discovery but left the show, 
and that's a whole other we could do we could literally do an episode on that but uh brian fuller was a gay man who started writing for star trek on ds9 and joined the voyager writing staff after he left ds9 um and then they brought him back to do the new star trek show so in in the blood of discovery was wanting to right the wrongs of ignoring the um the queer population of trek fans because and this is very i mean you're get, you you'll realize this if you've ever been to a star trek convention there are a fuck ton of queer star trek fans that have been just completely not represented during during the majority of its run so like the I fact mean, that even they... i even saw that in the 90s when i was a child going to these conventions oh yes and if Absolutely. I could recognize that as a child, like they are huge, vast numbers out there. And, I would say makes, the majority. It makes a lot of sense when you think about the stories that Star Trek is telling and also where, where the fandom itself comes from. So, you know, the term slash fiction. Yeah. That mm-hmm. term literally comes from Kirk slash Spock erotica. <laughs> Or not even, it, it doesn't even have to be erotica. It, it wasn't even necessarily erotica, though most of it was. But like queer fan fiction in the 1960s, in, in 1970s, invented like the queer shipping. And it was Kirk slash Spock fan fiction. That's where the term even comes from. So like, yeah. like modern fandom, the, the, the obsessive minutia, like generating like... Uh, pop culture obsession it really really had its 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 birthing chamber was star trek (laughs) uh quick side note since you brought up the genre um so meg and i are still going full steam ahead we're almost finished with our entire supernatural run we're in season 13 now and my writing buddy becky has sent us a link to her uh, Dean Winchester and Buffy Summers slash fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, makes sense. The shows are so similar. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, yeah, what else did you think about Discovery? Because I, I know how I feel. Uh, um, Todd, we've chatted about it briefly. Yeah, so I, I had heard through the ether, uh, well, with all my writing buddies, we have this ongoing group chat in Slack, um, and they they created a, a Slack channel just for discovery as several of them are watching it. And this was back, you know, when the first season just started and I was like, it's on what another paid streaming service. I'm not going to pay for another, fuck that, you know, whatever. That Maybe. is one of the most, that is honestly one of the most annoying things about the show, but yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But so I, you know, I, I try, I avoided spoilers. I mean, I didn't really care so much cause I was like, I'm, it's going to be like forever until I get around to this. Anyway, I'll probably forget what they, they reveal to me, whatever. But I did see a few of the guys say how like season one was eh, like, they were like, I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. Eh. Yeah. I hated the first half of season one. And then slowly it started growing on them. And really when season two hit, everybody seemed to get on board. Um, Me personally, I, I kind of loved it from the get go. I, I would say season one, it, it it actually did take me until about half the season to get like, okay, where are they going with this? It seems like the plot was kind of meandering. I didn't know where they were going. And then, um, you know, towards the end of the season, everything started to. Uh, so when I, uh, so 
I know a lot of like middling Star Trek fans mm -hmm. that watched Discovery and loved it. So I, I feel like a lot of uh, people that so like the people that I found are the most annoyed by the show are like the really, really big Star Trek fans. The people yeah. who are like mid-tier Star Trek fans generally love it. I, I would call myself mid-tier. Yeah. yeah. Anybody and, that that started, uh, I would say anybody that started at JJ Trek probably loved the show. And anybody that started like Voyager and before disliked or were indifferent on the show. And I mean, it's more complicated than that, obviously, because I, you know, I love, I love most Trek and I think Discovery is great. And I think um, I would have really loved to see it. It's also had a, a ton of production issues. Lots, lots and lots and lots and lots. Like they've had like four showrunners in oh, wow. the last three seasons um, in terms of uh, anyways. But like uh, I think given knowing that it explains a lot of the tonal incons inconsistencies that the, sh the show has multiple sh um, multiple stops oh yeah and like the the quick turning uh, like the first season was really dark and sure it was pretty dark but like i don't know season six of ds9 is pretty fucking dark too so like i don't season know season six of, of ds9 is grim not just dark yeah <laughs> grim dark <laughs> but it's also probably the best any star trek season has ever been so i don't know people who complain about the shows and and jj trek and stuff like that being too dark really are just showing their own naivete of the larger franchise as a whole so like yeah. uh i don't know that that doesn't really hold very much water to me if they're talking about the ethos and and the the outlook sure i can sort of see what they're getting at there but um i don't know even the original series was fucking grim. I mean, look at the conscience of the king, like uh, Shakespeare daddy glass an entire planet full of humans so that half of them can eat, you know, like, so, well, I mean, I mean, you would talk dark. I mean, season, uh, season one of discovery. Yeah, sure. But even season three starts off. I mean, season three of discovery almost feels like alien three, like, okay, everything we didn't do, didn't oh, yeah. matter because the entire federation is wiped the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, not just the federation, everybody, Jesus everybody. Christ. Yeah, that fuck would be so hard. Like, oh my god. But you know, they won me back. I, I just, just, I don't know. They, I, I'm, you know, me. I, I uh, I'm kind of a, a, a nerd full of positivity and optimism, anyway. So, I mean, I have. I have suffered through many a TV show and I can be very forgiving. I mean, God, I'm one of the people who watched the entire run of once upon a time. Um, oh, <laughs> exactly. Byron, exactly. Man. I'm out, out after like season two or three. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, kept going. Willie Willy Wolf is not worth it, man. The Simonese <laughs> liberation army does not have your best interest at heart. Patty Hearst. In a show that, has so many problems i can always find like i can 90 percent of the time usually find like oh man i really love like these two characters and damn it i love them enough where i'm gonna keep going just to see where they end up um 
But as far as discovery, I haven't even had that problem. Like, I don't know what any, everybody's complaining about. The most, like I've already said, like, okay, I didn't know where they were going for about half of season one. And then it started to kick in. And even I by think, then, I started to fall in love with the characters. And, you know, my love of Doug Jones, like, fucking. I mean, they, Doug Jones they, is incredible. They had me right there. And I love how much they have leaned into him. And he's become, like, one of the, like, main, main people. I mean, yeah, it's, he's it's, the only reason why I watched the first four episodes before giving up the first time around was Doug yeah. Jones. <laughs> yeah. He was the only good part about the first half of season one. Well, I mean, yeah. what's what's really happened is it's the same thing that happened in Star Wars fandom recently is that there's been a sharp divide between the political elements of the franchises. You've got people like Doomcock and like fucking Midnight Sun and shit uh, who are taking hardline political stances on woke science fiction or woke versions of any of their favorite franchises. So the the epithet like woke trek gets gets like thrown around now and i don't understand how that's a, even a fucking thing because star trek fucking sense that's why star trek has been woke since episode fucking it one is the of original TOS. woke franchise so although I, although again every era is gonna you know show its dirty laundry given enough time that passes when I went back and watched the original series for the first time on Netflix and in sometime in the last 10 years, it really struck me like, oh, wow. Okay. Very progressive in some senses, but like all, every other episode, like the problem of the week is because of a silly woman. Oh yeah. It was misogynistic as fuck. <laughs> like in oh, certain Uber. ways. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Like, Holy shit, man. <laughs> when you're, when you're talking about woke shows or something that's woke for the time, you have to account for the times. So for Star Trek sixties, it was very woke for today's date. It would, it would be so problematic. It wouldn't get made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was still being written by men. Let's, let's yeah. like, yeah. 1960s men. Um, now, uh, again, with discovery and I, I'm, I love discovery. I'm just flat out saying like, I can't gush enough about discovery. Uh, but I will say, uh, there are season one, when we got towards the end of season one, where the captain, what was his name again? Um, Lorca, Lorca, Lorca. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, reveals Jason Isaacs by the way Jason Isaacs fucking love that guy yeah oh um, yeah it, that performance is incredible yeah uh, but I've, we I've... do have the the Scooby-Doo reveal of him being from <laughs> you know uh, from a parallel universe and that fucking though, Empire again there were so many allusions to his mirror universe origin like if you go back and rewatch it mm -hmm. they practically tell us yeah. early in the season it's kind of obvious with all the experiments and yeah, and the and the, the light and stuff. And yeah. the first I mean, time you ever see him is actually in the in the reflection of the 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 window. You don't actually see him first. Okay. See, I I, I knew clearly there was more to his story. Like I knew something. Oh yeah, was obviously up with him clearly, but I didn't expect that. And I was like, oh, they're going like full bore, like pulpy again. Like the 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 whole first half of season one seems very like 
as hard science fiction-y and kind of serious in the, the politics between them and the war with the Klingons and everything. Um, I was like, okay, this is kind of intense and I got to pay attention to this. And then and everybody gets real stabby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then that, you know, by the end of season one, it reminded me, oh yeah, this is still a silly science fiction show. And there's, <laughs> Though, I, I mean, and- <laughs> I think the mirror universe uh, storyline was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. especially at the time given what we were living through at the time like it, it just felt <laughs> so earned it felt it felt like oh yeah they get it <laughs> yeah for sure so you're saying uh, this came out around 2017 2018 yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. now season two is straight up abridged mass effect Oh, yeah. I mean, season two is so wildly different from season one. And And that's actually one of my biggest complaints about it is that it is so different. I I actually, I I loved it. I wasn't knocking it. I was like, it it became clear to me, oh, they're battling this like AI thing and this is wacky. And then I was just, I think once, uh, oh, whatever the episode was where uh, the, uh, the, the cybernetic officer perishes, unfortunately. Um, Oh, Arium. Arium, thank you. And that was very, that was a very Lieutenant Arium. intense scene and everything. And I loved, I was really sad that she. That's a great episode. It, it was a great episode. Yeah. yeah. And, and we see how. Mind you, um, I wish we'd learned more about Arium be- before it, she died, but. Yeah. Yeah. They did the thing where we're like, we're going to give this character their moment <laughs> to shine all in one package. <laughs> they so did the lost can... thing, the yeah. lost in Walking Dead, where you, the episode that they die is where you find out 90% about them. Yeah. Like, we're going to, we're finally going to bother to take the time to like make you fall in love with this character or at least appreciate them as a fully who, realized person. Who is the lost couple that got bit by the scorpions? Uh, wasn't that. Um uh maggie grace and uh well, it, it's the the couple they find in the they ended up accidentally burying them because they were like yeah. they were like a younger yuppie couple or they were like they were yeah, con, yeah they were like a couple of con men basically yeah a con couple yeah, she was she was an actress anyways it just reminds me of like this is the first time we've ever heard we've seen them like in the background in like two episodes mm-hmm. but then we learn almost nothing about them and then they die the next episode yeah yeah <laughs> and so with with uh, lieutenant arium it was just like let's learn about her backstory and everything let's make her a fully realized character human being just so you can cry about her later <laughs> uh, but in that same episode we realized like how intense this uh intelligence that they were battling is and can actually take over people not just a cybernetic person, but yeah. like just normal people. And then I was like, holy shit. Oh my God. Indoctrination husks. This is mass yeah. effect. And, and I was almost, I was like, I'm a little offended. Like I would rather see a mass effect live action show, but God damn it. They're doing a good job at this. I can't be mad at it. I'm, I'm entertained. <laughs> well, and, and you know, every generation of science fiction franchises sort of has to deal with the fact that like they have been iterated on themselves by other franchises. So like, and Mass Effect was effectively like Star Wars meets Star Trek, you know? So, yeah. Oh, I can't wait till my fucking new laptop gets in here because I'm going to order the legendary <laughs> edition so fast. Uh, no pre orders. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and then, um, yeah, and then we get to season three. 
where uh yeah we're blasting into the future and honestly that end of season two wraps up everything so sweetly because they've they've done a great job of incorporating this into they've really bridged the gaps of all eras so this story still fits nicely in with the whole uh oh yeah the kelvin timeline in fact Uh, it Oh, with the Kelvin timeline? Yeah. Uh, doesn't it? Because, I mean, this yeah. is it's in the right Kelvin before. Yeah. I mean, fudge it with the ages of like, uh, you know, Kirk and Spock and whatnot. But but as I, that was kind of always the case, wasn't it? Spock was on the Enterprise with Pike before Kirk even shows up. Yes. So that's this area. Wait, so how here. does that... What about Kelvin timeline then? Well, at, at the end of season two, they blast off uh, um, Discovery along with Burnham into the yeah. far future. And kind of yeah. scrub their entire existence for the yeah. sake of you know not running into those problems again. Um, you know, <clears throat> Spock and uh, and Pike go on their merry way, which I guess is going to be the spinoff show, right? Strange New Worlds. Strange New Worlds, yeah. Okay, so number one, Spock and um... yeah. So in the in the Kelvin verse and everything, this is this predates it ever so slightly. Uh, because Pike is still there. They incorporated, and that's another thing that I love, they incorporated this stuff from the original series of uh, Pike seeing his future of unfortunately being maimed and, uh, you know, ending up... On... Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, With the Talosians. Yeah, with the Talosians, thank you, yeah. So, but that, then blasting Discovery off into the future and scrubbing the, you know, the memory banks of them, essentially that tidies things up. So the J.J. Verse movies still make sense because, you know, Spock's sister is never brought up. Um, you know, Pike is still, I mean, he doesn't get made. One sec. You do realize that the Kelvin verse is in like a completely different timeline, right? Yeah. They're not the same as the J.J. Verse. Oh, okay. Well, then, fuck everything I was just saying. <laughs> yeah. So the prime timeline, where everything we know happened, and the JJ verse, they're they're separate. Okay. So this they, is still they, explicitly. They do the interact. They do interact, okay. but they uh, don't have anything to do with in that period of time together in terms of like uh, those, like uh, Zachary Kingto never met uh, Anson Mount. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, forget everything I was just saying. <laughs> well, and that's um. So, but you, theoretically, you the, like time wise, Picard, one... though, right? You watched Picard. Yes, I did. Yeah. So that, and that's what I mean is that's they did interact because Picard deals with the ramifications of the Kelvin timeline. Exactly. Yeah. And and and. There is a Discovery, well, a Star Trek short treks, which is part of Discovery and everything, Mm -hmm. where there's a a short story of two little girls who are together dealing with the the day that that Mars incident happens with it with Mm -hmm. the the synths. Yeah. So doesn't that confirm that the Discovery show and the tangentially related short trek the little shorts do exist all in the same timeline. Discovery is still in the Kelvin timeline, the prime timeline. The JJ track is not, not, com- well, no, the Kelvin timeline and the, and the JJ timeline are 
the Kelvin, Kelvin timeline is the yeah. is the name for the JJ. Oh yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Um, and Discovery Picard... is in our timeline with Riker and Picard and and uh, uh, the TUS versions of those characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is not in the JJ verse. Yeah. But as as you said, you know, the Picard They do uh, interact series, though. The Picard series does deal with that fallout with the the synth yeah. situation yeah. and everything. So Discovery has a short trek episode based on that same incident. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just all confirming of this is theoretically all tied together like the Kelvin. Not theoretically, it all is. And yeah. So I'm just wait. Did you did you <laughs> think that loop. discovery took place in the JJ timeline? What I'm saying is, if we were just to take this all linear, this could all all these events could potentially happen within the same universe, within the same timeline, because discovery takes place shortly before well, the events of. Well, they do, movie. they do, except for the JJ movies. They're in a they're in an alternate history. So just look at, just remember the <laughs> Avengers, the Avengers, uh, Infinity War. You uh, know how when, <laughs> when the, the, those, great... the fucking directors and the writers of that. Can't <laughs> they, even they don't even agree on no, what they don't even agree. I, don't, I understand don't that, but, <laughs> but how the ancient one says that if you take this infinity stone out of this timeline it branches off and it creates a new timeline right how right, she right. shows that okay so that black timeline that's zooming up mm. that's the jj universe okay we are still on the original timeline where the stone was never removed and the jj films take place in a different timeline yeah despite okay. the fact that they were influenced by events from our prime timeline yeah okay fine ruin all my fun <laughs> what, I guess, well, okay what i was so for at. a long time there were a lot of people who were convinced mm -hmm. that the new shows do and are still to this day convinced despite mm -hmm. the fact that the the executive producers of the shows have literally come flat out and said the new movie the new shows take place in the original star trek timeline right 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 there's a not insignificant part of the fan base that has convinced themselves that despite the fact that the executive producers of the shows themselves <laughs> have said the exact opposite that the new shows take place in the JJ timeline and there's nothing that you can say that will yeah. convince them otherwise of that. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is that because I they're I understand but because their uh their their yeah. clicks on their YouTube channel require that to be <laughs> <laughs> must have clicks. What, I, what I'm saying is, like, if you're just to look at it as a linear progression of, like, in you know, same time frame, it would, it could be explained away that uh, since Burnham and all the events of Discovery, like, they go bouncing off, you know, flying off into the future and skip okay, over. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, this, this Spock, her Spock, could potentially then live on along with Pike and the rest of the, the gang uh to and then Burnham went off to her home planet and was never heard from again <laughs> and that spock could meet old spock coming back and go like oh shit what the fuck's happening now we're going on a wacky adventure but all through these jj movies i'm not going to talk about my sister because we've sworn away from that that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah okay anyway
Uh, I have no idea how long we fucking. Oh, so talked. interesting. Well, an, a, an interesting like little tidbit about uh, Infinity War. Oh. Um, so the last movie is called Endgame, which right. is also the last, the name of the last episode of Star Trek Voyager, and that is not an accident. Oh, the uh, you're gonna have to refresh my memory. I don't know what the Russo brothers finale of Voyager specifically. We're like, hey, we like that title. We're taking it. Because mm -hmm. and the way that the way that the timeline in Infinity War mm -hmm. or in Endgame works from the director's point of view mm -hmm. uh, works the same way as it does in the mm -hmm. Voyager finale. Well, I knew I, I knew which is that it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I knew the second <laughs> when I saw Endgame in the theaters and I saw the sign off of the original adventure oh Avengers yeah they took that in, from star trek six yeah the second i saw that i was like and they oh, said that they did too i know where that came from and then yeah. yeah it was confirmed in like articles later yeah i mean some other day we can talk about uh we can have a whole episode about why star trek six the undiscovered country is the best star trek movie and i can explain to you, all of you why it is um <laughs> Uh, by, <laughs> by the way, uh, little side note: we did not acknowledge in our last episode Christopher Plummer uh, oh! passed away. Yeah, uh, hmm. uh, the other week. Yeah, uh, what the fuck was his uh, his name? General Chang. General Chang. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you haven't read uh, Shakespeare until you've read it in the original Klingon. <laughs> oh God. That's part of the reason why Star Trek Sex is the best movie is because uh, it's the most like the original series of any of the Star Trek movies. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it was uh, written by Robert um, Nicholas Meyer and Leonard Nimoy and was yeah. uh, directed by Robert Meyer. I was I was gonna call you out every time you said that that the uh, six was the best movie, but I then I remembered I always confuse five and six. Oh no, five and is fucking terrible. Five <laughs> is literally the worst movie. No, but thinking, six is incredible. I'm thinking, hey, why the fuck a, would you like? It's all a metaphor for the end of the Cold War and like uh, you know. Uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall mm. and uh, don't. Uh, Say it now. Don't wait for the translation. And uh, you know, Jim, they're dying. Let them die. <laughs> Excuse me. Why does God need a spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and that's another thing. Is that like uh, uh, the Star Trek movies are are the um, the most regrettable part of the franchise, really, largely because. It, mind you, I, I I do think that Star Trek movies work. Uh, a lot of people will say like, "Oh, Star Trek doesn't work as movies. It's t mainly television." And I think that's bullshit. You just need better writers and a studio that's willing to tell the story that needs to be told. Mm -hmm. The majority of the Star Trek movies were bad because they were given ridiculously smaller budgets than most tentpoles, mm -hmm. and they were fucked with with the studio like the ending of star trek 5 was originally supposed to be this big huge vfx spectacle and the and the the studio cut the budget by like 30 percent at the last minute so they didn't have any money to do the effects that they wanted so that's why god is you know got this stupid little bad cgi rock monster uh, a floaty head with laser eyes yeah like... and weird moans Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> So that's why you get, you know, that's why people think 
that Star Trek Five is the worst because it is. <laughs> well, there mind you, you uh, that it's the worst of the original series movies. The the new movie, Star Trek Into Darkness, is the worst movie because it's a fucking yeah. goddamn disaster. Yeah, that was not great. Yeah, I, but beyond know, beyond really really turned things around a lot. It really I, did. I thought Star Trek Beyond was amazing, fantastic. Would you like, would you like to see uh, one more for that crew? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know like. where they can go from here. I mean, I know there was talk and, and geek rumors for the last several years that they were going to do like a timeline situation, try to get yeah, Kirk and supposedly that's back on the with... table at this point. Um, okay. Because uh, here's the thing: is that Paramount and CBS have been relying on Star Trek as a foundation of the money making of their empires since the fucking 70s like Mm -hmm. uh and that is only more true now especially with cbs slipping dramatically in the ratings over the last two three years Mm -hmm. um and it is i mean the the powers that be at cbs and paramount have at times and now viacom cbs or whatever the fuck it is um paramount and and cbs reformed uh they've called it the crown jewel of the French of the empire and it really is true it 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 undercuts so much of other things that they do with the with their um empires that they're allowed to take risks on other things and for the longest time they weren't taking risks on star trek and now they are in a big big way i mean like the facts of the matter is is that we have more star trek than is is almost like possible to understand it's hard to fathom <laughs> yeah i mean like in the next five years we're gonna get like seven total star trek shows possibly more possibly more i mean we we didn't even get into uh really picard very much at all and lord dex and strange new worlds is coming and yeah. I, I personally i have a feeling that strange new worlds is going to revitalize the franchise in a way that hasn't since next year i can see that i mean goddamn give me more pike and give me more rebecca romaine's number one oh <laughs> well, my and, gonna be and great. the 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 retro futuristic star trek that's got a really optimistic bent to it that's uh and they've said that it's going to be more um episodic rather than serialized though i would imagine that they're not going to abandon abandon serialization at all mm-hmm. um uh it's there's something powerful about that, and it's there's it's the reason why it's worked so well to begin with. It's it allows you to tell very specific types of science fiction stories, uh, and what we need is optimism right now. I mean, if we I, I mentioned this previously, that uh, if you look at the late 1960s when Star Trek originally aired, that was not a peaceful period in American history. Mm-hmm. That was a very 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 dark chapter in american history yeah and we're living through something comparable and i think people really need it in the next five ten years people are really going to need that optimism in their lives i am definitely an advocate for more optimism and exactly what you're touching on right now it just struck a chord with me that's one of the main reasons i fell in love with the orville i was literally just going to mention that (laughs) yeah because it has like that that feel good like aura about it that like the next gen had i feel like and very episodic and like you said can tell very specific stories very hopeful stories for the most part um with you know with seth's little uh little comedic twinge on it um and and they did eventually start to build some story arcs there with the uh i can't remember off the top of my head the name of the big bads and that but um 
You know, um, the Orville is all is all Star Trek's fault. Uh, is all CBS's fault, really. I, and I, and I I don't mean that in the most literal sense of that it's a Star Trek pastiche. I mean, Seth McFarlane literally pitched CBS a Star Trek show in yeah. the late two thousands. I love the the memes that came out after season one of the Orville. And it's one of the shots of him sitting there as Ed Mercer, the captain, just all like all smiles, like a shit eating grin. <laughs> and the captions said, like, I made my own Star Trek with blackjack and hookers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So like uh, so Seth MacFarlane pitched CBS in, in the late 2000s, a new Star Trek show. And, and before that, before he even did that, he pitched them doing uh, Family Guy like one-off episodes like he did for um Star for star wars yeah and supposedly it was in early talks but then the higher-ups at cbs balked at the idea of him making fun of star trek oh wow uh which well, mind you if... i think everybody assumes oh seth mcfarland does star trek oh it's just gonna be family guy in space and it's like that is not it at all in fact it doesn't even have that level of 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 gutter humor in it at all like that uh, you know, mm, there is some but it's not like it's not overbearing that's not, not the main feature yeah. so yeah. I, I watched the first yeah. season of the orville and i'll be honest um it was fine <laughs> uh, it definitely I, I, you up. know i i liked some of it i liked seeing penny johnson because she's fantastic um the doctor Mm -hmm. uh she she has a, a nice run on um ds9 and she's also in um the larry sanders show so i i really like her uh but it it largely just left me cold uh i know there's a lot of people that really really enjoy it but the fact that the show even exists at all shows you that there that, that cbs had the opportunity to have a more traditional star trek show um and i think they missed that's why strange new worlds is happening yeah. yeah, that's exactly why Strange New Worlds is happening. Other than the fact that you know Anson Mount is incredible, um, but like th there was there definitely there's there was a lot of blowback from Discovery, and definitely from Picard. So CBS is hedging their bets a little bit, and they're going like, okay, so you guys don't like Dark Trek? We'll give you Old Trek instead. Yeah. Um. um one little tidbit there related. Uh, one of the short Trek episodes is uh takes place in some nondescript uh or undisclosed uh star date in the future uh where oh, the discovery has been abandoned mm -hmm. um and some random dude just crash lands onto it and uh buddies up with the computer which at that time when i watched the uh, the short i didn't realize until they reveal it later in season three uh, was the voice is the amalgamation of the, uh, the, the sphere data, the sphere data blended with the ship's, you know, natural computer AI or whatever. Um, and then they have their own little love story, which their is their own loss in translation, which is beautiful or discovery. Yeah. But you know what, you know how, um, for years, the running joke was anytime a uh, family guy did something, Simpsons did it first. Yeah. With uh, that Discovery episode, the Orville did it first. Did they, though? Oh, they did. Yeah. And their second season, season one or two of the Orville. Yeah. Featuring uh, Penny Johnson. The, the, wait, wait. Uh, season one or two of the Orville. Season two. 
Well, they didn't then because the short treks came out before season two of the Orville came out. Oh, well, fuck you then. I just ruined that house of cards for you, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> so very similar. I mean, it wasn't exactly the same, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But was it was? But was that episode of the Orville written by a Pulitzer Prize winning author? Fuck your Pulitzers, man! Don't get all <laughs> high and mighty with your prizes. Aren't everything? <laughs> I got a prize right here for you. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. Maybe it was. I'll look it up later. Probably. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it was it was written by um uh you know. Anyways, uh it's a good time to be a science fiction fan right now. I mean we've got the expanse is probably the best science fiction that isn't Star Trek that I have had ever had. Hounding, I have had people hounding me to get on that and I just didn't make the time for it. And I also think the expanse is probably in terms of uh, sci-fi for people who aren't into like Star Trek type of stuff is probably more relatable and more um, uh, accessible than something like Star Trek, though the more hard science fiction elements might actually be, make that less accessible i don't know Aren't they, i don't uh, know i don't know what the populace likes i'm so <laughs> out of touch with people aren't they uh aren't they on their final season right now uh yes okay how uh, or the next season is the last season um uh the 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 second to last season just ended gotcha. but supposedly the way that they're setting up the franchise and the way that the books take place is that it looks like they're setting up an entire new show for the next era of the books. Because the books, suppose so the, the, because I haven't seen the last two seasons just because I'm so behind on television, it's absurd. Um, but I, I really do like, like The Expanse a lot. It, and it's one day I'll just binge everything. Yeah, um, that's what I was asking. I was like, oh, conveniently when the show ends, I can just binge it all. <laughs> yeah, but supposedly the way that the books go, and I've only read the first one, um, the la the latter books take up a much more significant story than the show is getting into. And so they purposefully are going to separate because I really feel like The Expanse could be a much larger franchise um than it is Did you say it's expansive oh. oh also like why have we not gotten an expanse game because the expanse literally came out of a, a video game oh. so that's that's a fun uh thing about the expanse is that the the entire story came out of the lore for a, a video game that ended up being canceled oh shit really <laughs> yeah all right yeah and there's just a like there's I mean, we're getting a, a fucking Isaac Asimov show foundation show on Apple that they've committed to 80 episodes for that still um, exists Apple TV. Yeah. And actually for all mankind, which is uh, created by Star Trek alum, Ronald D. Moore, who also, you know, co-created Battlestar Galactica reboot um, oh, for all mankind is really good. If you guys haven't seen it, yeah. um, it's yeah. uh, takes takes place in an alternate 1960s, 70s, where the Russians get to the moon before we do, and subsequently put a woman on the moon in 1969. 
Um, so that forces the Americans to completely reevaluate their space program. It's really good. The second season starts this uh, in like a month or two, or maybe a couple days actually, February twenty eighth. So yeah, so later this month. Yeah, Megan and I have been uh, seeing some commercials lately for either like uh, series or uh, movies. Uh, like it's, it, they all it look perks great, our and then it shows Apple TV logo. We're like, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing you guys are are not uh, not uh, an iOS family. No, we are not. I mean, I'm not either. So, but uh, I have access. My sister has an iPhone, so we have access to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we already have a fucking litany of shit. Like, oh no, I've got a running Gmail list yeah. of like every movie I, I I look good that I wanted to get around to eventually. Every series. Once again, we still haven't even. Touched well, and with Star Twitter. Trek, <laughs> uh, they just announced that the outrageous Akona, Billy, um, Billy Michaels, is that his name? He played the Rocketeer. Right. Uh, Billy. Uh, What's his act? Billy something. Billy Campbell. Billy Campbell. Billy Campbell. Uh, the outrageous Okona is going to be on Star Trek Prodigy, the Nick the Nickelodeon show starring Janeway. Right, the animated one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, again, we didn't really talk a whole lot about uh, Picard or uh, or Lower Decks, but um, I love the shit out of those as well. I, we kind of did on a previous not- episode touch on. Uh, uh, you know, little silly things in, in uh, Picard, the uh, dance, the bunny or, corn pizza, yeah, the uh, um, you know, sliding on our socks through the uh, <laughs> through the <laughs> board, <laughs> too, but, which was <laughs> essentially it was there, it was their attack of the clone scene, Anakin and, <laughs> uh, and Padme like skipping, frolicking I mean, through the daisies. So, <laughs> I on for the whole enjoyed Picard, but there are some really mm. fucking weird ass things going on in that story that don't make took, any sense it took some big swings and i, I don't and there were some it. whiffs there were definitely some whiffs but yeah. i think as a, on a whole i enjoyed it yeah and again for me being the the positivity nerd i can always find the silver lining i mean i give me more give me more uh patrick stewart in anything give me more uh seven of nine seven of nine um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll watch her i a- i want to see a show with her and her rangers and yeah. I want to know what's going on there. They're the, they're the Rangers of the New Republic. <laughs> oh, and that's the other thing is that uh, CBS has said that they're they're ex- they're expanding their cross media uh, Star Trek powers because previous to this, all of the various Star Trek licensing for cross media had been really really random and and scattered uh, between various publishing departments and licensing departments. Now they're all under one arm. And so I'm guessing that we'll get books, comics, possibly a seven of nine TV show, maybe a video game uh, of, of things in this now expanded Star Trek universe as if it wasn't already pretty expansive as it is. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, I'm, interesting interested to see where they go in season two i hope they uh make another uh pizza run at uh <laughs> at riker's pizzeria i definitely <laughs> think that it, it is not the last time we will see live action riker yeah and not to mention animated oh, Riker. No, it's, it's and, not uh, because we have confirmation or at least rumors that there there is a, a riker and troy show in in progress 
what? Yeah. I did not hear that. That's that's one of the fifteen shows that are in like pre development right now. I don't know. They're just I'm throwing everything. Skeptical. I'm pretty skeptical about that. They're doing the Lucasfilm and Disney thing. They're just throwing everything at the wall right now, and they're going to see what <laughs> sticks. Yeah, mind you, a lot of this stuff has actually been in the in in the works for a while. Like that Section Thirty One show, supposedly uh, she pitched that to Alex Kurtzman uh, during the production of the pilot of Discovery. Oh God! Yeah, uh, I read this interview with her today, which literally said that she pitched him that during the production of the first season. So, oh, uh, okay. So, quick correction: apparently, it's not a show. It's uh, they're going to have a novel that explains the. Best. Oh yeah, no. I absolutely, I absolutely believe that. Yeah. I, in yeah. fact, it might already be out. Give <laughs> uh, me all the side stories with my favorite characters. I want Seven of Nine hanging out with Saru um just throw pike in there for the fun for the fun of it just why the hell not well and that's why and that's why lower decks is such a good thing and i think um uh we're i think we'll get a lot of prodigy too is you know a lot of these star trek actors they've been off television for 20 years now you know like (laughs) and some of them you can tell yeah some (laughs) of them have like do voice acting work but that's about the limit yeah like tim russ has been in so much voice acting yeah he doesn't count because he has been uh, in everything yeah animation uh, solid animation shows are a blessing for these uh you know beloved characters but aging actors (laughs) though uh, you know i uh there's the rumors about the cisco show though it's from we've got this covered so who knows i don't know i wouldn't take that with i would take that with a gigantic grain of salt but um, I think I feel like a sequel to DS9 would actually not be an odd thing to do. In fact, I think it could actually be pretty successful. Yeah, because if I remember the uh, the, the the show's ending, pretty much everything was ambiguous. Like all of the characters didn't have. There was a lot of finality, but a lot of that finality was like, who knows? Yeah. yeah. I uh, it reminds me. I did love the all the shoutouts in season three of Discovery. Once they do find the remnants of the Federation, the Voyager, I don't remember what USS it was. Nog. Yeah, yeah it's the Voyager J. Voyager J. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and then eventually a, a nice little tribute to Anton Yelchin with the uh, yeah. the Yelchin, the USS Yelchin. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all kinds of fun little Easter eggs and tributes. And I, I don't think it's the last time that we're going to see. So like, we're, we're definitely getting like Star Trek away from what we know of the alpha quadrant and the beta quadrant, but we're still going to see the remnants of like the, like we haven't seen Klingons or we we're definitely going to see Klingons at some point. Haven't we we seen haven't seen Cardassians. We're definitely going to see Cardassians at some point. We, we have seen Romulans because they're now, that's oh, right. that's right. That's right. The yeah. I forget what their Nevar, Nevar, yeah, Nevar. It always reminds me of uh, what was it? Uh, V'ger, or <laughs> yeah, V'ger. Oh, jeez. So it's a it's a really finette. It's a really amazing time to be a Star Trek fan if you like this era of Star Trek. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm I'm in. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm, in I'm definitely in. Yeah. And Paramount Plus, they're going to need a Star Trek show for the rest of the time. So 
uh, I think I, I think it's going to be one of those things where we most likely will not stop having Star Trek the rest of our lifetime. Probably not. Yeah. And yeah, not until they fail with something so 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 bad massively that, that. And even then, I'm pretty. I don't know. They might give her a rest, but they'll. It just makes too much money. I yeah, I don't think we'll get a rest like we saw between Enterprise and Discovery, but I think there there will be like a couple of years rest if they fail at something. Yeah. yeah. Things will ebb and flow and eventually Dave Filoni will have to come in and uh just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> And that's and that's an interesting thing because like we said, Star Trek was off the air for 20 years. So there's an entire generation that didn't grow up with new Star Trek other than the JJ movies. So there's there's significantly less nostalgia for Star Trek for a for for Zoomers than there is for us, despite the fact that they they did have some Star Trek. And yeah. I've actually met a, a a more Zoomers than I thought that like Star Trek. So it's one of those things where I think it's sort of like Star Wars start and um, that people just sort of pass it down to their children now. Yeah. And Star Trek is sort of there is a philosophy to it and there is an ethos to it. It, it, it is a progressive, like sort of liberal lifestyle I, ideology that it, it's associated with. You know, there's the shirts that say everything I learned, everything in my life I learned from Star Trek or whatever the mm -hmm. fuck that says. Um, and it's pretty true. And and uh, it's a very humanist ideology. It, it's problematic in at times and in, in certain ways. But for the most part, it's it's looking towards the future at a time when we need to be. Yeah. And I, I think people recognize that. And, and the other thing is that uh, Star Trek has very much been a American and like uh, the, the largest, the largest fan base has been um, historically in the United States, but now with um, discovery and Picard airing internationally on Netflix and Amazon Prime, respectively, uh, the the fan base is now larger than it literally ever has been ever. Yeah, you're gonna solidify more of a, a global, global audience. Yeah. Audience, yeah. Which is good. so. I, I think the health of the franchise has never been stronger, and yeah. I'm really glad. Okay. Here, here. Oh yeah. So yeah, here is to. Uh, optimistic well the bright future of star trek in general and of optimistic sci-fi because like you said uh yeah world could definitely use all of that <laughs> it could definitely it could definitely use some some people showing us that like hey if we believe in science we can get through this if we don't it's going to be a whole lot like the uh the 20 2060s of 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 your <laughs> yeah hopefully we can at least skip over the the temporal wars <laughs> yeah not to mention the world war three which is supposed to happen in like a couple of years now yeah. <laughs> where is that con fellow we, we did bypass yeah. the eugenics wars uh so that oh we, no uh, it just happened as far as we know <laughs> it, it, it was a cold eugenics wars it happened <laughs> underneath the surface do you think uh, do you think uh, Discovery is going to pull something like that? Throw a big name like Khan in there somewhere? No. Or maybe no. Yeah, well, maybe Strange New World actually would be. There I do. I, I do think that they'll they'll do something like that. Mainly yeah. just for 
shits and giggles but shits and giggles, yeah. um, if if anything it'll be from the the next gen era but i i also, think strange new worlds would probably be more likely to do that if nick meyer gets his way he's gonna make that con ruling in hell show that he's been wanting to make for like five years now his say what now um so nick meyer pitched cbs uh a show about con on um uh seti alpha five yeah right four four five one of those this is seti alpha five um just uh, leave him, please give him that ridiculous chest. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and just get Isaac, Oscar Isaac to play him because you know he he plays everybody. Yeah. He could do it. <laughs> Did you get uh, yeah, and it's about it's about Khan's time on what was you know when they left them there was uh, a very nice looking planet which turned into a fucking shithole after time. But <laughs> yeah. I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing is that uh, supposedly. Paramount Plus is looking at doing Star Trek movies too. So yeah, direct to plus, uh, direct, direct to Paramount Plus, direct movies. to Paramount Plus movies, which I think would be a good way to explore the the one off time periods that because I'd actually so one of the fun ideas is uh, in all the forums and stuff is always like, what would your Star Trek show be? What like if you had a Star Trek show that you 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 had total power over, what would you do? And I've always had one answer. And it's uh, the birth of the Federation. The period of time from immediately after the Romulan War to 10, 15 years later when they're getting all those early member nations to sign up for the first time. And it was something that uh, Enterprise was supposed to lead into, but Enterprise got cut off too soon. And I think it's a fascinating look at like uh, nation building and um, like early Starfleet politics and federation politics and i would love to see it make it sort of like a west wing uh jack ryan type of thing in space and i think it'd be pretty fucking cool it seems like they're kind of doing a version of that or just dip their toe in that a little bit with, with season, discovery with discovery i was season three now they're having mm-hmm. to rebuild the federation from yeah and i like that I, I that's why i think uh that's why i think discovery season three is so interesting yeah so I, they'll get into more of that with season four sorry go on my Star Trek show would be, I want to see an alternate take. I want to see one of the, the, the ships in the Dominion War that's had to resort to questionable tactics or that mm. one, the, one, the one ship from uh, Voyager that also made it into the, the Gamma Quadrant but had a completely different uh, way of getting home. I want to see an alternate. Uh, yeah, by grinding up aliens and putting them in their uh, warp drive. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I want to see some somebody who's not following the rules, who is disregarding the prime directive. Obviously, it's not going to be the same Trek that we know and love. It's not going to have... I think the, that's probably what's going to be Section 31. Yeah, but or, I mean... Or close. Section 31 is still going to follow the rules to, to an extent. I don't know about that, but I mean the only ones that we really see like violating the directives are the the thirty one operatives that are that have been compromised. Mm. The the admiral in Picard has been compromised. She's an, a Romulan operative. Yeah, but she's not the, Section Thirty One. Are you sure about that? Yeah, I thought she was. I she's thought... Starfleet intelligence. 
Okay, you're right. You're right. Starfleet. Section 31 are willing to literally do anything to protect the Federation. Kill puppies. Uh... <laughs> Uh, like roast the last dodo. Uh, um, go back and kill baby Hitler. Like they'll do a, all of it. We're cool with that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I mean, well, uh, yeah, I am also willing to go back and kill baby Hitler. But they're like willing to go back and kill like just regular babies too. I I don't. I honestly, I guess I'm not creative enough. I really don't know what else I could ask for as far as another show. I'm perfectly content with what they're giving me right now. And even everything on the table, I'm like, sure, just just give me more track all the time. As far as uh, features, I I would really love to see that uh, number four in the Kelvin verse. I would just love to see that crew get one more chance at a really beautiful send off. It's going to be painful no matter what without Anton Yelchin. Um but beyond that, I, I would love to see them have another go. Give us a Trek that's uh, not featured, uh, that doesn't feature the Federation. Give us a, a Klingon or a Romulan Trek. I think it's just a matter of time until we get a, a Klingon show, honestly. Yeah. They've already set up so much with uh, the Discovery Klingons, and they're going to... they're gonna. They're no. gonna fucking don't be this the discovery klingons give us <laughs> no, but that's what i mean is that they'll explore klingon culture and show us that like not all klingons look alike because klingons are a star empire and they have hundreds of colonies almost thousands of colonies and it's a multifaceted species with a lot of different like it's not a planet of hats see me wharf's retirement years <laughs> i mean ambassador wharf that would be a well good show. that's the thing is that we've seen enough of wharf wharf literally has more episodes of star trek than any actor ever that's true but and, don't... And it's, it's not it's not by a little bit it's by a lot <laughs> okay okay here's what's happening he doesn't have to be the, the the entire focus of the show just have him as the admiral that gives out the missions and he's the shady got his, admiral that ends sh- up yeah. like killing all the babies. Yes, no, no. I, I got it. I got something even better. I got it. this. is This is my my wish for all of New Trek. Make Worf the new Stanley. He just shows up. <laughs> he's got nothing better to do. He's in his. He's long in his retirement years. He's got nothing okay. better to do. So this he's I'll just, sign on he's for. He's in the background, like he, he, he. When Picard comes back to visit Riker at some point, he's just in the background eating some of Riker's pizza. He's uh, you know, he just shows up in Minsk. random. Yep, <laughs> he's in the little random space bar, just having a drink. He's just, he's just chilling. But he's only drinking, uh, prune juice. Prune juice. <laughs> yeah. You haven't watched a Space warrior's Nine, drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Worth as aren't, a new Stanley. Aren't uh, Klingons canonically? Don't they live like two or three hundred years? Yeah, provided they long live. die a war because they've got death. both of everything, if you know what I mean. Oh my, oh my, <laughs> two hearts, two spleens, two dicks. Let me try to, I'm trying to do my best to catch. Oh my, <laughs> and that's canonical, yeah. canonical, 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 whatever. All right, guys. Yeah. Else, uh, left to I think, say. Uh, I think Scotty needs to shut down the warp drive on this one. There you go. Yeah, we need to eject the warp core. 
Get the yeah, hell out of here. There's no recrystallizing these crystals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, one thing that little, one little tidbit that did bum me out. Um, I don't remember her name, but the, the young queen of that planet that uh, oh, crystallized yeah. lithium. Uh, I didn't like that whole. You didn't like her? I, I was I was hoping guess, she would have but... joined them. I, I was hoping they would have joined the gang and, and stayed on for season three and blasted off to the future with them. But I'm I'm good. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> fine, Byron. You you uh you can be the naysayer. I'm gonna be over here with my trashy little Orville. She was fine, I guess. And, my, <laughs> and all my fun little shit. Yeah. Um, another thing that we tend to disagree on, I, I uh, lower decks. Uh, again, uh, both Megan and I agree that that the tone with Lower Decks. I haven't watched Lower Decks Tone. Okay, well, don't include me in this. <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar to uh, one that you said you weren't a fan of, um, Final Space, which is another. No, uh, no, I, I didn't say I wasn't a fan of Final Space. I said I hadn't seen it. Oh, I yeah, nobody think... else has seen it. I haven't seen it either, yeah. Johnny. No, oh, I haven't seen oh, it. You guys. Well, okay, homework <laughs> for you guys because. Olin Rogers uh, released the season three trailer the other day. And at the end of that trailer, he also revealed, Hey guys, if uh, you know the first two seasons that you've been telling your friends about, but they haven't been able to find it anywhere. It's coming to HBO max. So, okay. Yeah. If it's on it, I have HBO max. So I'll watch it. The world. Will know, uh, I, it's March something it's coming up very soon. Uh, but yeah, pretty soon uh, they're going to release the first two seasons. And then shortly after that season three, Did it used to take this long to produce animation or is it just me? Well, I feel like this show specifically has had large gaps in between each season. Yeah. Well, they, they've I had think like modern probably... animation. It seems to me like takes a fucking hell of a time to, produce these days i yeah. think it's i think it's all of it um because like you look at attack on titan it's sometimes it took like two between... years for lower decks to come out yeah. yeah yeah i don't know guys south park it only takes what seven days <laughs> yeah but those guys they have it down to a science so. yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they're um, superhuman in terms of their production speed yeah yeah Excuse me. And uh, Final Space, they did also have to bounce around to different networks. I think they were originally on oh, TBS. Yeah, they were on TBS. Yeah, and then they, I think season two actually premiered on on Adult Swim, I want to say. Or maybe well, I'm pretty sure TBS is owned by Warner Brothers now, so. Okay. Yeah. Which is owned by, you know, is their parent company for HBO. Okay. Uh, so I got it up here. Seasons one and two uh, of Final Space are on HBO Max as of March 1st. And then season three. And HBO Max is really, really dipping into the adult and animation hard. Yeah, yeah they're they're definitely pushing that because that's the... Harley Quinn is probably right like one of the best adult animated comedies of like the last yeah. like decade. Love. Yeah. Love Harley Quinn. Oh my God. Like, and really they're bringing back Batman the Animated Series. Like yeah crazy well they i think they put out uh the animated series and um and beyond on uh on hbo max now and they yeah. have and they have the, the films jla and JL, jlu too yeah they have all the the batman films like uh what was it uh long live the burst timbers <laughs> oh you mean the, the animated films yeah the animated the animated Mm. They they no, have not just the DC animated ones, but mostly they have the Batman. Most of them. They don't have everything though. 
uh, Brave and the Bold. They have, uh, I think they have the, the Samurai one. Yeah, yeah. They uh, HBO Max has most of the DC animated stuff movies, but not all of them. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll check out Final Space. It, it it was just one of those things where like with those types of thing with those types of specifically sci-fi comedies trying to be like Star Trek. Most of them just got canceled, <laughs> so I didn't bother watching it because I was like, eh, "It's only going to last ten episodes anyway." Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I remember mentioning that you just kind of caught a glimpse and were like, "Man, I'll skip it." But yeah, it's got it's gotten. Uh, I mean, I, it's hard to describe it, but it's the comedy's on the surface, and then they get really deep and feelsy. And who's uh, the voice cast? Isn't there someone specific who voices the main character? Uh, the creator, Olin Rogers. Um, oh, he's okay. As far Maybe as I know, like, he's kind of a no name, and he just. Is there uh, anybody? Is there anybody else in the voice cast that might be notable? Because I think there were people that I remember hearing about being like, "Oh, that sounds cool." Fred Armisen. There's a bunch. Fred uh, Armisen, Stephen oh. Young, David. Oh, Tennant Young. Does an ep- Young. David Tennant does an episode or two. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Conan O'Brien is David, an episode. Oh wow. Tom Kenny. Conan O'Brien. Wow. Lynch. Tom Ron, Kenny, man, Ron that Funches. guy. Ron Funches. Ron okay, Perlman. Yeah, I love Ron Funches. Ron he's Kingman. also in he's in Harley Quinn too. Yeah. Keith, oh my god, is King Shark? I fucking yeah. love him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, and uh, uh Keith David. Keith David. Keith David. Oh, Gina wow. Torres Keith also. David. Claudia Green Black. Green Lantern himself. Claudia Black, Aaron's son. Yeah. God damn it. I'm yeah, so, yeah, so I'll definitely watch it. I didn't realize the voice cast was so good. Even Alan Alan Tudyk is on an episode or two. Oh. Alan Tudyk. The world always needs more Alan Tudyk. Exactly. He just started a new uh, sci-fi yeah. show, uh, Resident Alien, which Resident is based Alien? on a comic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we totally broke our rule about like only nothing other than Trek. <laughs> but we're well, kinda... we were talking about science fiction and yeah, yeah. And we're putting yeah, we're putting a cap on. Oh, this. I think we're and not to mention it. like eight, uh, '90s television shows. Babylon 5 just went up on HBO Max. Yes, and I am finally going to watch it for the and first it, time ever. I looked I I like so I I looked at the masters that they put up. Mm-hmm. Pretty good actually. Like it uh so I was I did some research and supposedly they scanned all of the film negatives of the live action stuff at 4K. Mm-hmm. And so all of the live action stuff looks fantastic and they got the best possible masters they could of the cgi portions <laughs> i think we did talk See, that about that was previous yeah, yeah that was the one thing that kept me back from watching uh babylon 5 is because the cgi looked fucking awful yeah. i mean it was well, cgi even... done on a television budget in 1993 yeah you had to compare it to star trek star trek was using models and their cgi looked amazing yeah yeah, and then you have Babylon Five, which looked like complete fucking garbage. And even Babylon Earth. Five had a much smaller budget than Star Trek at the time. Yeah, I mean that's that's something we have to remember is that, and people forget this consistently. Star Trek has always been one of the most uh, budget pushing television shows at the time of release. Hmm. Like even like Star Trek: Next Generation, Deep Space Nine absolutely voyager enterprise so uh, there's a there's a nice uh, tidbit which puts this into perspective um in season one of star trek enterprise 
in 2001, the cost per budget per episode was about 1.5 to $2 million. And that's why Enterprise got canned early. Compared to Battlestar Galactica, which which, uh, premiered in 2003, had a budget of about $550,000 to $700,000 per episode in 2003, two years later. And which one of those shows looks better over time? Well, to be honest, I never watched Enterprise. So. And I never watched oh, Battlestar Galactica. You okay, well, it's Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Battlestar Galactica looks way, 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 way better. Oh, Mind you, they were shooting in Canada, so, you know, budgets were... Perceived budgets are really different. my mind but. that these shows spend so much money per episode when, mm-hmm. like, that money, like, in my brain, at least 20 years ago, would go towards, like, a movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And now we're yeah, but even even like twenty years ago, producing a movie, for... yeah, that still would have been like a twenty to fifty million dollars. I, I basically, it's a lot of fucking money, and mm. the like idea you could... that that goes into one episode just boggles my brain. Yeah, and think you, of you uh... could do a Clerks on on one episode's budget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think Byron froze. Byron, another ice storm up there. Did he literally freeze? Yeah. <laughs> Still with us, buddy? <laughs> uh, I, I think I think Byron's connection died. Uh, don't know if you can hear us, but uh, you're completely frozen and we got no audio. You're dead in the water. R.I.P. Byron. <laughs> he was never heard or seen from again. <laughs> and there he goes. He just dropped out. I'll, uh, I'll re-invite him back. But once he gets back, we should probably... Uh, cap this off or at least the recording whoopsie <laughs> <laughs> my laptop died because it wasn't plugged in and i've been talking on it for like two hours um, <laughs> oh geez uh anyways what was i saying doesn't really matter i don't remember we were just saying we should probably put a cap on this I've been, it's, yeah agreed. we're, we're been getting really two long. hour mark but yeah uh oh my god todd you have got homework to do bsg never seen it never seen it it's oh great god. It's really it, good. It is a really solid. Um, it's got the classic Ron Morisms in that uh, it's very like religiony, um, but it's it's good. Yeah. This show Meg and I were watching at a friend's house when we were first hanging out together. And then first dating. Uh huh. Uh, BSG mm-hmm. nights with so much beer and pizza. Yep. And sangria. <laughs> I think. I think we may have even had a couple BSG nights. Yeah, we probably. Did. Yeah. 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 Oh, in Alex fact, I know that we did because we watched because I had the first season on DVD because I bought it and we watched it at John's house. Did we watch some at John's house? I remember yeah. me and Meg watched a lot at uh, Alex's house, Alex McDaniel. And Frank's house. And Frank's? Yeah. Huh. His place. I definitely had like a night where I invited a everybody over and i'm pretty sure you were there tony maybe probably was yeah i think you, you were. were there and you were there you were there <laughs> <laughs> all right guys all right thank you for joining for the episode o trek this is tony this is todd this is Meg. this is byron live long and prosper motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> health and long life uh later guys <laughs>